Hey folks, Brian here. Before the show gets underway, I just want to make a quick uh, note. We recorded this about a week before the allegations against Bordertown writer Eric Esquivel came to light. And so there's a bit of uh, vertigo talk in this episode, and we talk about how great that new line is, and we specifically single out Bordertown as being a a standout book. And uh, we just wanted to make sure that everyone was well aware that those uh, statements were made before we had any knowledge of Esquivel's truly abhorrent behavior if the if the uh, accusations are true and so we just want to put that out there so uh thank you and enjoy the show Folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We're going to be talking about the DC Comics released on the 12th of December, 2018. So, if you haven't read them yet, pause the podcast, go read your funny books, and come back and talk to us. Uh, we have five books we're going to discuss uh, at length. Then we're going to do uh, four books, kind of rapid fire, and then we'll bring you the good, bad, and okay lists for this week. But first up is the Batman Annual. Uh, this was written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Otto Schmidt, uh, a, an undoubtedly good creative team, I think we can say. Mm-hmm. And, um, Vince, you're the one who picked this book to talk about, so tell us what's going on with this book. Yeah, well, this is a, um, this is like a, mostly an Alfred story, I suppose. And we've seen stories like this before, right? It's kind of, uh, shows you Alfred's side of, um, kind of what makes Batman Batman, you know, what what he puts into that equation. Um, it's certainly not the first story like this, but I think it's one of the best ones I've read just because of how um, it's a really sweet story. Uh, I think there there are several moments where Alfred gets to shine, you know, and, and you really appreciate the, the role he plays, right? Um, there's a lot of really fun interplay that Tom Taylor does with Otto Schmidt as far as the story and the art is concerned. There's some there's some callbacks within the issue itself. Um thinking of the the stuff with the Alfred putting a mint on, yep. on Bruce's pillow. Um if the book if the issue commits one crime, it's that it shows us who puts the air in the tires for the Batmobile, which, as we all know, nobody should give a shit about. <laughs> but other than that, this was a really sweet issue, and uh, and a uh, little spoiler for the end: it it just so happens that it's Father's Day, and Bruce gives Alfred the day off, and that really tugged at my heartstrings. So this one won me over. Did you? What, what did you guys think about it, Brian? That- let's hear from you. Oh, okay. Um. I thought it was really good. I think uh, Otto Schmidt is obviously one of our favorites of the uh, Rebirth era. And I thought he did some really fun stuff with the layouts. Like there's, a, I guess it's the second or third page of the book where you see Alfred getting dressed to go pick up Bruce from the crime scene of his parents' murder. And it's 
the panels are backdropped against a silhouette of, I guess, it's Alfred's head. Uh, it's just a really welcome start to the page. And there's some, uh, there's some really, like you said, Vince, some really sweet moments here. And I think that it avoided the melodrama that could come from this. I mean, there's a little bit of melodrama here, but it avoided the sort of over the overkill melodrama that could have come from this issue. And instead, it showed a, oh, excuse me, but don't let my yawn be indicative of my feelings about this issue. Um, I feel like it showed the best of Alfred and the best of Bruce together. Zach? Well, I mean, this issue showed that all billionaires are bad. You know, Bruce just typical, overworking his employees, doesn't doesn't care until someone points it out to him, and then he he's like, oh, I guess I can give you one day off since it's Father's Day. Well, nobody's ever changed the world working 40 hours a week or so, I'm told. <laughs> Did Jeb tell you that? Um, yeah. Um, Did now, you this... guys see, by the way, the Onion headline, uh, how... It's like George W. Bush pushes Jeb in the grave and says, "Take Jeb, take Jeb instead." And uh, but the end of the article said, "Like Jeb eventually agreed to be buried alive." <laughs> it's the perfect ending to that article. Sorry. Um, no, this issue is really good. Um, this the the plotting was really good. I wish we had more like regular tom taylor stuff at dc um but did i say tom than, king before by the way i don't think you did i was panicking i meant tom taylor <laughs> he definitely meant tom taylor yeah um <laughs> but i want otto schmidt on a bad book like stat now yeah i thought that this was so good yes it was yeah yeah otto schmidt can draw anything as far as i'm concerned um. Yeah. Uh, Another no- highlight of the issue was uh, cowled uh, Alfred. <laughs> yes, I'm a yep, sucker just, for that. We get that like once a year. Yeah, just wrecking those guys' shit. Yeah, yeah. This issue, um, maybe of all the bat-related things this week, my favorite. Oh yeah. I think oh, definitely, so. definitely. Yeah, funny. I think so. Um, I thought it was very interesting how um, you know the Bat books are like very uh, actually like generally like DC has been really big on this lately, like sneaking in creator names. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very interesting that uh, James Tynion the Fourth got the soul not in this issue. Hmm. I didn't even yeah, know that. Where was it? Um. It's. T- Towards the end, I think, right where they tell him whatever some location is on the corner of Tinian and Fourth. Oh, okay. yeah. Which that's you know we see that a lot for like cl- creators who have done like classic runs with a it's, character. It's always like the corner of Adams and uh, and Bar and and yeah 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 yeah. But but I will say. That I think I think Tynion's detective run definitely deserves its place in the in the, oh, yeah. in the classic Bat mm-hmm. canon. It's just this is really early to see his name used that way. You know, well, it's also a really convenient street name with the four there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, I thought this there actually it's interesting how this week 
there was a lot of stuff about Bruce's sort of extended family uh, in the Bat books we read. Between Leslie and uh, and Alfred. Yeah. I just read uh, Batman Year Two as well as part of my detective read-through, and that has Leslie Tompkins in there too. So, like, I got a super dose of Leslie this week. Does Year Two... I remember it being like just okay when I read I, it. I think I mean if you if you if you kind of treat it tongue in cheek because it's it is kind of a bad idea. I think it's really good though. I think it's I think it's executed extremely well. Uh, Alan Davis does the first issue and uh, Todd McFarlane draws the next three. Wow! And it's w- just way over the top, and the the melodrama is so good in it. Like at the end when Bruce has Bruce has the gun that uh, murdered the Waynes, and he's gonna he's gonna murder the bad guy, and and he's working with Joe Chill. It's just insanely over the top in a good way. Though I'd rather read a, a comic like that, you know, a mm-hmm. hundred times over something boring and and sure. just run the mill. Any other Batman annual thoughts? No, I don't think so. Uh, This is good. And we should get more Tom Taylor in DC, as Zach said earlier. Well, that brings us to... uh, Did your guys copy call it the freaking Batman who laughs or just the (laughs) Batman who laughs? Let's go with just the Batman who laughs. Mine says one. the dang Batman. Oh, okay. Who okay. Uh, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jock. Um, so let me just say this off the bat. I think, I think I can speak for all of us when I'd say we weren't super thrilled about this book when it was announced. Oh, I don't know about that. Really? I, I, I wasn't down on it. Okay. Um, All right. Here come the retcons. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I I think our listeners think they're tuning into Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history right now. <laughs> That's what I think. Uh, no, but um, you know, uh, then I'll just speak for myself. Then I uh, I was not particularly a fan of this character and wasn't looking forward to a miniseries based around it. Um, that said, I think this first issue was very different than I expected. And I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. I have more yeah. to say, but I, I want, want to let you guys go first. Zach, you go first. I I liked the issue until the very end. <laughs> Which was? Which was uh, the Joker killing himself with a trick gun and turning Bruce into the dang Batman who laughs 2.0. <laughs> so let's so let's let's talk about this. Um was it Snyder that introduced this idea of the mm-hmm. Joker having that toxin? That was his idea from back in his Batman run, right? I don't know how far back ago it was. I mean, it was definitely in metal because that's how the Batman who laughs was made, right? Right. Um, I don't. I don't know if it was like it might have been mentioned in um, in, in uh, Endgame. 
Maybe. Yeah, I kind of think it was from Endgame, but I, I have I can't back that up with any facts or anything. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but so that the Joker's essentially the Joker's heart has a uh, a toxin in it that or surrounding it that when released turns you know releases a Jokerizing venom essentially. It's it's the whoever kills the Joker becomes the next Joker. Right. But it seems like it's only around his heart. So if you shot him in the head, would you just be able to carry on? I guess so. <laughs> this seems like a pretty poor plan in there. Uh, jokes. Jokes um, on you. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, as silly as that ending is, doesn't it seem sort of appropriate, though? I'm I, really like my issue isn't that it's silly. It's just not. It takes the story in a direction that I I feel like I'm not as interested in. Like I mean, I, it's the kind of thing that Snyder could easily like turn around within the first like two pages of the next issue and have me again. Oh yeah. Um. It it just as an ending, it kind of left me a little cold. Because it, it's it's a kind of it's like either Bruce is going to go through the rest of the series like fighting being Jokerized, which is an interesting concept, I guess, or it's going to be resolved really quickly. I think it's going to be the former. I think it's going to be him as, as a Jokerized Batman for the rest of the series. Vince, any thoughts about that? I just, I I don't know what I think, but I just love how wacky it is. I I only wish that there wouldn't have been another book this week that did a Jokerized reveal at the end of the that is <laughs> at true the yes. end of the issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I loved this. Um, like you guys already alluded to, this wasn't this wasn't the book. I think that you know I I I think what what we were worried about. And if I had any reservations about this book was that it was going to be just focused on some origin story for the Batman who laughs and, you know, pro- spent too much time establishing this character that, um, we don't you know, just, well, yeah, that just, that just works better as a villain that, that, that kind of is like a mustache twirling, like, Hey, this person is just evil. It's the, Evil embodiment of the Joker and Batman sort of mixed together. You don't really need. I don't. I don't want myself really any more of an origin story that than can be put on like one page. You know. Uh, so to get this big chase sequence at the beginning of the issue uh, on the highway where they're chasing this uh, these um, sort of hollowed out homes on wheels uh, on flatbeds. That was really cool. It looked really great. Jock is like one of the best in the biz at shit like that. Um, and it was there was like goofy humor at times, and we got to see a little bit of like the Punisher Batman, which is another like again that that is an idea that sounds stupid saying it out loud, <laughs> but like actually in execution, I kind of like it. Um. It kind of gives this book a tone that 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 I like. I think it, it kind of reminds me a lot of like uh, some of the high points of Snyder and Capullo's um, Batman run. I think. Mm-hmm. And then, 
there's the the image of the Joker drawn by Jock that is essentially the same pose or or face that he's making on the cover that famous Detective Comics mm. cover where he's the bats, you know, it's yeah. the Joker made of bats. That's like the that where where the Joker's saying, uh, "But I don't want to be safe, old friend." That's like the same face he's making on that cover, and it's just like threw a dart of nostalgia right to my heart. So I I really like this first issue. Um, something you said about this feeling like the Capullo run, I I did I felt like even though Capullo is not drawing it, I did feel like this grabbed me in in a way um that that maybe like all-star batman didn't this feels this feels like it fits better with um the the capullo batman run as opposed yes. to uh, like the all-star batman yes i'll agree with that as well um i think the thing in this issue that i am most interested in is or the thing that grabbed me the most um, is definitely the alternate Bruce thing. Um, Again, there's another book this week that does a very similar thing. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really weird. weird. That is weird. That is weird. You yeah. think editorial would have done something about that, at least for one of these books. Obviously, we, we know which one, but... Um, <laughs> what you'd think that you no, know one of them would have said yeah. there's there's a there's a very big book coming out with a plot that's very similar to another big book but slightly smaller um yeah but but yeah i agree the 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 punisher batman coupled with this um bruce doppelganger that hints at you know alternate realities and like specifically like a, a, a reality where Bruce was happy yeah. and not Batman. Um, which is another big theme and another Batman book that did not come out this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had mentioned on the show the other day that for the Green Lantern number two, I had texted the boys and said that the most Grant Morrison line of all time was in the comic. And then after reading this, I texted them that the most Scott Snyder line of all time was in this comic. And uh, Vince, what are they called insurance policies taken out for Batman damage? They call it the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Pretty clever, Scott. <laughs> I wish I had my. I don't have my uh, Jamaican air horn in within reach, but yeah. I would be. I'd be blowing it right now. Wasn't that uh, also a thing um, in White Knight as well? They didn't call it that, but yeah, was it was, wasn't it was like a literally major plot point. <laughs> yep, yep. By the way, the uh... <laughs> wait. There's another of... white. There's another White Knight thing in the Bat books this week too. Oh. Do, do you do you want to say what it is? We can wait. Okay, I have a white knight thing I want to t- tell you guys, but you got to talk amongst yourselves because I got to find it. Okay. Okay. Um, Zach, I hadn't really thought about how how like out of place All Star Batman feels within the Snyder Bat canon, mm-hmm. but after reading this, I think it's clear that it does feel out of place. Yeah, like I think the the first arc was the one that felt most in line. The JRJR one? 
Uh-huh. But even that one was a little... I think it was the pacing of those arcs. Yeah. Just felt different. I don't know. Um, Here, I'm getting you guys this for Christmas. <laughs> the Batman White Knight Academic Reading Guide. If that's not just 200 pages of a hand jerking off. (laughs) 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 Onto some cool pictures of some cars. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What is that for? Is that for art or is it for plotting or both? (laughs) It's for anyone who didn't understand Batman White Knight, man. Well, I guess you mean us. We're clearly that audience. Like, we need that. Yeah, I didn't get it. I mean, surely DC's going to send us, like, a... Yeah. For our for our re-education. <laughs> this is the part where I intellectually covered up Harley Quinn's nips. <laughs> Again... We'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, this was this was a good comic. This was uh, like you guys. I don't love the idea of a Jokerized Batman, but I do like that this is sort of like one of my favorite things about Scott Snyder is how enthusiastic he is about telling this like gigantic mega bat story. Mm-hmm. And I never was as big a fan of the like alternate Batmans from Metal as as supposedly he is, right? But this this particular miniseries feels like uh, how can I put this? This feels like the most. This is like unadulterated, pure Snyder Bat stuff. And we mm-hmm. haven't had that all. We've had Batman in the context of other things with Snyder. This feels the most like his bat work continuing. And it's fun. And it'll be over in a few months, and it won't change the world, but it's good. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, this is good. I, I like this. I like it more than I expected to. Not because I thought it would be bad by any means, but most, more it just... Tonally, I was afraid it would be something that I wasn't super into. Um, I thought it would be like metal minus the fun is what I was afraid of. I thought it would be too much Batman who laughs, which it was almost no Batman who laughs in this issue, which is interesting. Which is fine by me. Yeah. So no, this, this issue felt like a welcome return to the Snyder Batman run. Um, I'm really ex- excited. I'm excited to see how it winds up. And then also like, you know, really, as far as we know, we've only got one more that that last night book. The one oh, yeah. in Capullo. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, he'll keep coming up with yeah, it. I think he will. I hope he does. I hope he keeps like just pumping out a Batman mini like once a year for ever. Well, if not, he could always just do like a Batman centric Justice League arc. Yeah, he could. So, all right. Well, let's talk about Electric Warriors number two, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Travel Foreman. Um, Zach, let's start with you on this. What'd you think of this issue? 
Um, I, I still, I liked this issue. I didn't like it as much as the first one, only because the first one was just very, very good. Um, and this issue, I had more issues with the art, I think mostly just because of how, um, there, there are like no backgrounds. Hmm. Um, for the majority of the issue. So it, it, a lot of the issue just feels like characters on a, on a colored, like a, a, a single color background. Um, and it's not like the most interesting thing visually. I, I, th- I still think the character work is mostly really good. Um, yeah, I... I, I, I didn't like this issue as much as the first one. Uh, I'll echo that. I thought it was still a good issue, but mm-hmm. it didn't reach the heights of the first one. I think that it uh, the first one ended on that great Firestorm reveal, and mm-hmm. this issue had Firestorm in it briefly, but there wasn't. I think we all. I think at least I expected there to be more about Firestorm at the end of this, at the beginning of this issue. Uh, but I yeah keep going keep going but I don't I don't think we know anything more about the firestorm thing yet um and that's not a huge deal I guess I was just that's my expectation versus what we got um but Vince what did you like about this issue or not I so the I will say that I I liked it almost as much as the first issue and the only thing that that knocked it down a bit for me is, is what Zach said about the art. The art just felt, I mean, it was fine to look at. It was, it was, you know, travel foreman's a good artist because of the lack of detail in this issue compared to the prior one. It just felt less special. That first issue, that art felt like special, right? It felt like a labor of love. Everything was so varied and detailed and, there were a lot of different techniques used to create different effects depending on where the characters were or which species we were talking about, right? Um, so this issue was less special in that regard. But as far as the story's concerned, I'm still really buying into what Orlando has here. Um, I, I love the way that he presents the different fights. I love the way that he presents it in like a, a media landscape where everybody's kind of watching what's going on and and which uh, which warriors are defending what from what planet or whatever you know the Gingold grains. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love a Gingold reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I love the way that Orlando played with that and said like, "Look, uh, Earth's Earth's humanoid defender." lost his fight for the Gingold grain storage. And that ends up affecting the animal. And again, like earth is the only one that has two warriors that affects the animal warriors, even though the animal warrior won their fight. I I love the way that he's playing with the politics of that. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so ingenious to me and it's a brilliant way to use this lore and to 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 create that to create conflict in an interesting way that ultimately is going to end with um the two of them fighting the 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 Ian Ian the uh human earth warrior and Kana or Kana 
the octopus one. I love the way they set that up. And Can that, I, go, go ahead. Well, I, I have a specific critique to make about that. Okay. I agree with you that the plot in this issue and all the, it's all very compelling. I feel like this could have easily worked as a pro story and been just as interesting. Like I, I, I feel like Orlando could have like just scripted this. I feel like this could have been told without art and would have been compelling. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, I'd have to I'd have to go back and read and see what I think about that. But uh, but yeah, um, but I but, but 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 you agree that that's like a compelling. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. I, okay. um, yeah, I I I feel like the the mechanics of everything and the the pieces that he's moving around are really interesting um yeah yeah I and agree i, with I all that. oh go ahead i say, i agree with all that i i think that the uh the travel form and art is certainly less special in this issue but i do think you guys are a little harsh with the background chat cuz i feel like that's a more common than you're saying and B, I think it fits the setting somewhat. I feel like the last like five or six pages are like very. I mean, if you just like scroll through those, they are just like in a green room. What if they're due out on Letterman next, and they're in their green room? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first few pages, it's not really as big of a deal because they they're like very small panels. There's actually like a lot happening in there but it still does feel like a little static to me um but then or i guess it's really just like the last like maybe 25 percent of the issue so brian what you're saying is that they're gonna they're gonna bring out the uh the cortex crown and dave is gonna say is this anything (laughs) yep uh yeah okay and on firestorm all right yeah, we didn't get much Firestorm. We didn't learn much more about Firestorm's role in all of this. Mm-hmm. But I loved the tease again. I lo- I loved this idea that uh, I think we I think we got a little more insight, just just a just, just a, a tidbit that he considers the 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 squabbling between humans and animals, and the the fact that the grain the gingold grain is the thing that's going to uh, divide them. He considers it a hard-earned lesson for you know the two the the animals versus humans and that whole thing. Like to to me that intri- that intrigues me about what firestorms that that like pulsates in my mind. Like okay, what is firestorms' role in this going to be? As sort of like a puppet master behind the behind the behind the scenes here. Sure. All right, I'll go fuck myself. That's fine. No, I mean, uh, way to steal my bit, but um, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I guess, I guess, to me, it's like there's only six issues of this. You want to do as you want to pack those six issues full of information and full of story, 
And I feel like this issue was maybe a bit stretched out. Hmm. Interesting. See, I, I don't necessarily feel that way. I feel like it's pretty packed with content. I feel like a lot happens in this issue. But just the presentation wasn't always there. Anything else to add about this? No, I don't think so. Okay. It's still very good. It is it's still very easily good, yes. one of the most like interesting books that DC is publishing right now, I think. Most unique. And I don't mean that I feel like that comes off as like backhanded. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's very unique, but I like genuinely mean that. I agree. All right, let's talk about Goddess Mode number one, the new Vertigo series. Written by Zoe Quinn, illustrated by Robbie Rodriguez. Um, so this, were there nine Vertigo books announced in that first batch, something like that? Something Seven, like that. nine. Uh, when they were announced, this one jumped out at me because I like Robbie Rodriguez's art quite a bit. Um, and I thought that this issue, if you like Robbie Rodriguez's art, this gives you a lot of fun stuff to play with this issue felt very very true to him um seven seven okay thank you um i will also say this book dropped you in the middle of a story way more than any of the other vertical books that are new have like this the first 10 pages of this book are super dense and don't give you a ton of information as the book goes on you learn a little bit more but this is definitely a, a throw-you-off-the-deep-end type first issue. And I'm totally cool with that. Um, what did you guys think of the book? Yeah, uh, I think the, the Robbie Rodriguez art looks incredible. Um, I think this book overall, I think from beginning to end, you can see the stylistic vision. And it goes it goes beyond just the artist. You know, mm-hmm. you can tell that Zoe Quinn has crafted this world in a very specific way. And obviously, Robbie Rodriguez is the artist. And so to put that on the page, um, that's all him. But but uh, I think, you know, I liked this a lot. I liked the story a lot. I think if I have any criticisms... And actually, this this isn't going to even sound like that much of a criticism because I really like his work too, but it felt a lot like a James Tyn- like an early James Tynion book, where there's a lot of uh, or and I guess I shouldn't even say early because I think the Witching Hour was a little bit like this too, but there's a lot of plot delivered specifically out of the mouths of like one or two characters just explaining it to us. And I I felt like that, like, it actually, the second half of the book is much better on this, but um, the first half of the book I had to read actually a couple times before I appreciated it because I felt like it was a lot of an info dump. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And I think it's also a little jarring because, like Brian mentioned, 
it drops you in the middle of a story, but it actually kind of drops you in the middle of two stories. And yeah. it doesn't really differentiate between them at first. Um, the way the dialogue is going, you almost might think that it, it's it's hard to tell what's happening. In, right. In, in, in a way that's more than just like, it, it's hard to tell what is happening where or, who, or who's talking. Um, at least in that like first section, I think. Right. And I think, I think in, in some ways that's a good thing because, um, because the, clearly the world that's being built, because there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of like AI going on. Um, Mm -hmm. and the alternate realities, I guess you could say, or like virtual reality, um, it's highly futuristic. So, so one of the cool things about the book is that anytime anyone is anywhere, there's like a layer of, um, what's the word for it? What's the, what's the like, like, uh, augmented reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that, that does, yeah, that does. Yes. Um, so like even when she's in the bathroom, she says something about, um, there's a there's a, a pop up blocker in here or something. It's not it's not that it's not something that obvious, but you know. What I, I know. Mean? I honestly think it. I think it was like bathroom ad blockers or something. Ad, like that. Yeah, ad blocker. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which taken as a whole, like on its own, that can sound corny, but I think taken as a whole in in the entire world that this book builds, it actually works really well. Especially mm-hmm. when you add the visual element, which I think it, the 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 visual element is absolutely brilliant in this book. Yeah. Um. And I expect the storytelling to tighten up a little bit too, just based on the second half of the issue. I thought the second half of the issue was so much more engaging than mm-hmm. the first half. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And me st- too. Yeah. And I felt like I felt like Quinn had to do a lot of like catching us all up on this really complex and multi layered story, which is great. <laughs> Right. In, the, yeah. in the first half, but then like, it, yeah, in the second half, when you really get into what's the name of the uh, Azoth, Azoth, when, when you really get into that stuff, then then the book really sings. And so I, I would expect future issues to be even more along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm it, pretty sold on this, I think. Um. Especially up to the last part. This is like Magical Girls plus Tron <laughs> plus like Shin Megami Tensei. Um, yes, plus that that one character with like the hat and the and like the scythe. That's like straight Bloodborne shit. Too. Yes, yeah. Like somehow yeah. this is all melded together in just the right way. Yeah. What I was gonna say before was you know I said that this sort of dropped you most in the middle of a story of any of these Vertigo books. But it also, I think, in some ways, suffers the most from first issue syndrome, where mm-hmm. there has to be that first half where it's so expository just to get you to, to be caught up. But it has to do that because there is so much rich backstory to these characters and to this world. Yeah. And Ravi Rodriguez. Mwah. Italian chef kiss emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah so talking about those uh vertigo books we've still got uh high level safe sex and second coming mm. um 
those those are the next ones. Uh, I guess this is a good time to talk about this. So we're we're four books into the seven, and those four are Border Town, um, Hex Wives, Goddess Mode, and American Carnage. American Carnage. Yeah, how can I forget that one? That's a pretty solid four books so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Hex Wives is the one I like the least, and I really like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a solid lineup so far. I wonder how they're doing, not just sales-wise, but just overall. Like, Is DC happy with these books so far? I would think Border Town is probably doing the best of all of them. I've seen the most hype about that one. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, definitely it, within our little uh, multiversity bubble, for sure. But well, even outside the site, too. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, by the time this comes out, readers of the site will know that both uh, Ramon Villalobos and Eric Esquivel took home the top breakout writer and artist uh, bit for the year. And Border Town uh, was within the top five. I can't remember offhand now if it was the number one best new series or if it was at least, it was definitely in the top five. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big testament to, to how good that book has been. And not that multiversity is obviously the, uh, the, the end all be all subject on all this, but I think it is telling just how, and if you look at sort of what staff members voted for it, some folks are like straight superhero folks. Some people are more of the indie comics fans. So it's, it's it reaches a nice cross section of people. But yeah, Vertigo's good again. Oh, there it is. And uh, our final in depth discussion for this week is Hawkman number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Joke never gets old to me. No. Uh, Hawkman number seven, written by Rob Venditti, illustrated by Brian Hitch. I I had mistakenly on the show last week said this was the Kryptonian issue. Uh, yeah, that's next time. That's next time. Might be. But this one does sort of give an entirely new origin to Hawkman. It, it goes back pre-Thanagar, and it, it sort of gives a reason for his reincarnations that is different than we've had before. What before we get into the issue proper, what did you guys think of the of the change in the character's history? Which, for those that haven't read it, it's essentially that um Qatar was a Deathbringer which Katar. Is, Katar was a <laughs> a Deathbringer and a Kitar. Uh, yeah, a Kitar, yes. He was played in a bunch of eighties bands. And uh no but but, but so like the reason for his reincarnation is that he has to save as many lives as he as he wasted as a deathbringer, essentially. As he brought death to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was uh that's a really new take on the character, but it doesn't undo any of the other character stuff we've gotten from him. Like that's that's what's cool about Hawkman as a character is that you can just keep building upon this mythos without undoing stuff that came before. And that's what Venditti's been so good about 
in this run so far is just building on all the various pieces of Hawk mythology without crossing anything out, just adding to the list. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of this issue? Zach, you I go dug, ahead. I, I dug this. I, I liked it. Um, I thought the um, the bit with the kind of like ghost woman who was following him around mm-hmm. was really interesting. Um, I thought the the thing with the um, whatever. So wait, so he's a death bringer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What? Who are the people that he is bringing death to? Do they have names? Well, like all he says, he brought it to Earth. He brought it to Thanagar. No, I mean Ram. like I mean like the 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 beings that he is like sacrificing them. Oh, to. oh. I think they're just the death bring. Uh... Let's see. Yeah, they're... I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I, yeah. I, I did. I didn't know if we had a name for them. They may just be Deathbringers too. I got a major like Hellboy vibe from that. Mm. That's not wrong. Yeah. Um, like the uh, whatever, like the the serpents mm-hmm. in like the earlier volumes with the the stones out in space and things. Dog drew him. Yes. Yes. Um, that reminded me of that. Um. Again, like Hitch is just like really, <laughs> he's like the perfect fit for this book. Like, hasn't missed an issue yet either. He hasn't, no. And like, that's like, crazy. It is like he, it, it works so well. Um, yeah, I really liked this a lot. Yeah, I w- I was immediately smitten by the the new origin. I love how tight it is. I love how it basically ties everything together um that's what made me want to talk about it this week um it just it worked so well for me as an explanation for the reincarnation not that not that everything needs to be explained you know but like since venditti chose to do that I think he knocked it out of the park and I think he continues to knock it's a great way to show us you know, just one of the many different lives again that that Carter Hall has lived, and to have one of those tie all the rest together in this way, that also is somehow causing the central conflict of the series as a whole, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's really it's really cool the way that it it's so comic booky, and it's what I want, Hawkman. Since Hawkman, since I've been reading Hawkman, which is like uh, brightest day on, really. I haven't I haven't read much Hawkman aside from that. It's been so boring. Every writer just they try to overexplain things. Uh, they they end up convoluting things, and just they don't do any favors for Carter Hall, the character who you know. Most people would probably say they know nothing about, couldn't describe him, is, you know, for the most part, a fairly standard, boring character. Everything Venditti has done on this series so far is so streamlined that it doesn't get bogged down in in caring whether Carter Hall himself is like an interesting person or a witty person. The, the plot just moves 
you're presented with something new in every issue and it just goes along in that like pulpy superhero serial way and that's just hitting all the right beats i think yeah and the and the build up to this reveal i feel like has been really solid yeah um, yeah th- this is the right place to put this origin too yeah for yeah. sure yeah this is really good guys uh as vince has always said Hawkman is the Exo Manowar of the DC Universe. <laughs> oh! And so this shouldn't be a surprise if Venditti is doing so well on this, but it's been a really pleasant surprise so far. And, you know, for a continuity whore like myself, seeing all of this come together is just is nice. It's good. It's real good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with our lists and our little micro-reviews. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back. Before we get into our micro-reviews, we have to do our uh, our good list, bad list, okay list. So I, I've been reading all these myself lately, guys. Why don't, why don't we each take a list here? So, Zach, why don't you take the good list? Oh, you boy... Ask me to do that one. I don't have it pulled up. Here we go. Give me a second. <laughs> it's in our um, chat. Yeah, I got it. So the good list this week is Justice League Dark, Supergirl, and The Flash. All all great, respectable picks. Vince, take us to the OK list. The OK list is Yay by Kanye West. <laughs> um, no, uh, Wonder Woman was okay. House of Whispers was okay. And the new talent showcase was okay. But Brian Brian boldly said that it was the best new talent showcase that we've gotten by a long shot. Which and I, I agree. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, Zach, you didn't finish reading it, but the the Mags of Asagio Wonder Woman story that ends the book is really good. Yeah, I definitely want to finish it up. I, I think I made it through the Green Lantern story. Okay. Um. So I think I still have the Zatanna and the Wonder Woman one to read. That's good. There might have been another one in there. And uh, the bad list. I am cursed by reading the bad list this week. It is Sideways and Suicide Squad. We're going to have to review Suicide Squad 50 next month. (laughs) You know, we still don't know who's taking over after, do we? Or if it's even continuing. I, we know it's at least on hiatus. You're right, because they haven't solicited anything. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't it be great if DC just said, you know what, I think everybody's had enough of Suicide Squad. <laughs> <Are> done. <laughs> done for a little while. Man. What's more likely? That Suicide Squad is back this summer? Or that Suicide Squad is back in April? 
Well, April, of course. When is that Harley Quinn movie come out? And the fantabulous contraption of Professor Horatio Huffnagel? Yeah, that one. I was going to say Harley Quinn and the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. But... <laughs> I don't know. Ne- uh, sure, surely not 2019. Surely not ever, but surely <laughs> not ever. Oh, you know what? We... Uh... We might have to get old man Ostrowski out of his house to go see Aquaman, so we can talk about that on the show. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Redheads, bro. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, let's get to these uh, these little micros. So Vince wanted to talk about his favorite book of the month, Batman Damned. Oh, God. No, I want to apologize Number because... Two, um... The Duck, The Deuce, written by <laughs> it, Brian Azzarello. It was Deuce. Yeah. That's for Illustrated sure. by Lee Bermejo. Oh, man. You and it's really consulted by our pal Bill Dennis. Well, let's not. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we love you. Uh, we're not hanging this one on you. No. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remove it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remove what I said about this book. When we talked about the first issue, which which I did not love, but I said I liked. There was something about it that worked for me. This issue did not work for me at all. Oh, my God. It goes off the rails so hard. I mean, in hindsight, that first issue is probably bad. <laughs> but but there is no doubt that this issue is pretty awful. Um Jay Blood, you guys. Reggae, now, I, I, reggae artist Jason Blood. Okay, so see, that's my question. I can't tell. Is Jason Blood or Jay Blood supposed to be a... Is this reggae? Is this hip-hop? Is this, like, new metal, like corn or... See, I imagine it as, like, disturbed or corn. Mostly because of the the horns that he's sporting. Mostly yeah. it's just bad, though. Jay Blood I am, Indie Man, B Demon, Etrigon. Oh. Come on, that's oh, literally that's, what it says. That's literally that's, what it says. But I will say terrible. that that's like the only line I feel like that I read that way. I, I definitely am with you there, Brian. But that's the only... The rest... There's not enough, um, at least the way it's like written, it doesn't have that kind of emphasis. I mean, to be fair, lyrics like this can be, like, they're just so timeless. My reality, <laughs> fucking your duality, Bat. Man behind the mask, mind if I ask? Who you hiding from? Who's your black cat, Bat? Okay, so it's Limp Biscuit, is what you're saying. You wear a disguise? It ain't these guys. Yeah, you hear what I say? What? The mirror crack? DK? DK. Dark Knight. You know... Donkey, that, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. That's true, yeah. Um, it, it I, feels borderline offensive to me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is more, like, offensive? That or, like... These drum like a scrotum? Well, the, the, just to jump ahead a little bit, the Enchantress is basically, like, the... <laughs> The, oh. like, voodoo character from the end of the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. And then, and then Harley Quinn showing up and trying to that's take Bruce's pants off. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, we found it. Yeah, um, talking about how the jo- Joker <sighs> did stuff and. Can we also get into why this book needs to be uh, about the Wayne marriage not being very good? Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) To me, there's no real reason. It's just because Azarello is a caricature of his former self. I mean, honestly, that's maybe like the most interesting like take or contribution in this book. It's like, I mean, it's an Elseworlds where the Wayne marriage fell apart. And an alternate explanation for why Bruce is a psychopath, sociopath. Mm-hmm. Because um, his mom well, is forced into smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, like, why? I mean, this is so. This is the this is the white knight take from earlier. Yeah. Um. Why? Um, can I, can I, can I pose you guys a theory that I have absolutely no basis for? Sure. You know how this book was delayed, right? Yeah. Rumor has it they had to fix some stuff after batch long. I am guessing the ending here was a little more racy, racy than it, than it turned out to be. Um, the, on the page where, uh, Harley is, um, disrobing it looks like a yep it looks like um both that hand looks like it could have been added in the placement of it and then the the other side looks like painted on yes Yes. it looks like it was hastily fixed (laughs) for public consumption (laughs) and if that's the case um I guess that's better than what it could have been, but uh, but also this book could have just not been published. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, brother, give me give me a dozen white knights before another issue of this, and I don't say that lightly. Well, you will probably get another dozen <laughs> issues as a white knight. So, and for all we know, it could come out before Damned Number Three. <laughs> Now, here's my question. Are we going to get in, like, five years the Batman Damned Uncensored edition? I think we'll probably get that, like, I th- well, I still would not be surprised if the trade was uncensored. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see. You know, D- oh, man. I hate to even put this into the world, but DC could potentially... I mean, if they really wanted to be creatively and and like like I get I don't know morally is maybe not the right word, but like morally bankrupt, they could sell through like the DC Universe app, the uncensored Batman damned hardcover, and they could sell it for like fifty bucks or something that has the whole all three issues, just way overpriced. You know they would sell enough. That first issue was getting sold for like forty, fifty dollars. It was closer to eighty, I think. 
Was it? Okay. Yeah. When I yeah, when I looked it was around fifty, but I'm you know, that's on the spectrum. So Yeah. They they could do it if they wanted. I don't know that they will. I am sure because I mean the collection for White Knight hasn't come out yet, has it? Yeah, it did. It's about it just... to come out if it hasn't. Yep. Is it censored? It's what was in print. Well, but I thought that the whole thing was that they were going to release like an uncensored version because that has not happened yet. No, this version is okay. Censored. Interesting. Then I bet we're not going to get one. Oh no! Give it a couple years. Well, but I thought like that was the whole thing. Well, because like Jock, re- I mean not Jock, uh, Murphy released like the images, like they're out there already. Bleeding Cool like posted them, I think the day after the issue came out. Mm. Um, and with the implication, like that was when we were first learning about Black Label, and like that book was going to come out and be uncensored. But if they've already released it and it's not, I mean, it's like you like you're saying, Brian, they could release another one. But I I really think that if um this whole Batman Dam debacle hadn't happened, and I I would need to like double check and see when um the White Knight collection came out. But see, I, I just think of it way more cravenly than that. Where like they can get twice the amount of buyers for it if they do one uncensored or one censored. Yeah, but I guess then, like, what's the point of releasing it under Black Label in the first place? Because Black Label never really meant anything. But it did, though, at first. Like, it, it, it was going to be. It did before it was a thing. Right, that's what I mean. Which, yeah. But I mean, like. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Anything else to add? This is really bad. <laughs> Is this so? It was about fifty pages. Yeah. yeah. Is the are these hundred pages worse than the worst hundred pages of Tom King's run so far? Yeah. Yeah. I'll say it. Yeah, this is worse. It's, no, it's too fucked up. Don't say it. <laughs> too, too raw. Too raw. Yes. Yes. I don't know if it is. I can't tell yet. I can... man. It's amazing, because since Rebirth started, we had that great Tynion run. We've had the metal stuff. It truly is the best of times and worst of times to be a bat reader. (laughs) Speaking of that, we got Detective Comics number 994, written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Doug Monkey. Um... This is essentially the Batman who laughs again. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, a decoy, Martha and Bruce Wayne. Uh, there's uh, there's some uh, Jokerization. Jokerization that happens. Yeah. There's also in this book enough evidence for Jim Gordon to figure out who Batman is once and for all a thousand <laughs> times over. Why? <laughs> I mean, Martha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was gonna go, my mom, but uh, he caught himself. Oh, mama. Yeah. <laughs> wa wa wee wa. Um, 
Yeah. And also, he, he knows so much about the Wayne murder. Yeah. <laughs> he knows the centimeters upon which uh, they were shot. He does. Right. I Anybody else think it's weird for Gordon to be like, uh, they were my first? Yeah. Well, yeah. First what, Jim? A double murder. Yeah. <laughs> you know. My first double murder. You never forget your first. No, you never forget your first, no. <laughs> so this book is overall fine. Yeah. It's okay. It would have made it on the okay list if yeah. we didn't want to talk about it. Agreed. Yeah. I think it looks great. I think mm-hmm. Monkey, you know, Monkey's one where that he, for me sometimes Monkey can can wear out a little bit. And and he's one of those artists where where you can say sometimes it looks rushed or whatever. Mm-hmm. First issue on this one looks looks really good. It usually has to do with how many inkers he has. Ah, yes. Yep. That's a good call, Zach. Um, if he's got one or two, it's probably okay. If he's got three or four, um, you might be running into trouble. One which, or two, sky's all blue. Yeah, three or four. <laughs> three or yeah, three or more, out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but here he only has one, and it looks very concise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, you know, this isn't I'm I'm reserving judgment, obviously, until we get a few more issues of this. It's definitely better than the Robinson stuff. Well, you know. I, I know, I know, I know. But I'm not I'm not ready to say like that I'm gonna be excited to read it every week, that it's the it's the perfect uh run up to Detective 1000 or anything like that. What do you guys think of that banner, by the way? It's uh, it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, the countdown to 1000. I like that a lot. It's um, smart. Yeah, SMRT. <laughs> it feels important, at least. Mm-hmm. Probably the most important feeling thing part of the issue. <laughs> Although... I am always I I get like a, a a twinge of fear whenever I pick up a DC book with the word countdown in the title. Well, wasn't that fifty two done right? <laughs> if you recall, though, countdown to Infinite Crisis, that one shot issue was good. That's true. Yes, that's right. I think we've had this exact conversation <laughs> several times. Something, something, oh. Superboy Prime. I've 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 never read uh, Countdown, so no. <gasps> I'd love to one day. Well, that's a Patreon, Patreon project. Yep. I've ever heard one. <laughs> yes, it's just so hard to get a hold of these days. <laughs> I uh, I read them all. My local library had them in, in trade, and I was like, I like all these characters. I'm gonna like this book. I was wrong. <laughs> Because that 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 was during my one of my hiatuses from reading like monthly comics, so I read that afterwards, and uh, yeah, I'm yep. sorry I did, <laughs> but I'll do it again for Patreon. <laughs> uh, not to be- not to belabor this point, but I've just always like when reading summaries and things of it, I always think like 
this sounds like I should love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do you love a sexed up Mary Marvel? Oh, yeah, you bet I do. I mean, I loved it in Final Crisis. Well, you get, you get way more of that here. I mean, I loved it in that I love anything that Morrison does, and it was it was fine. I don't want to like sound like a weirdo. <laughs> I do want to sound like a weirdo. No. All right, well, next up is uh, sure to be a spicy one. Superman number eight. I'm cracking my nuts. Number six, I'm sorry, number six. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. Boys, take this away. Vince, do you want to start? Because sure, I feel like you you have an opinion you want to get out there. Bendis is back on his bullshit. <laughs> it happened. It happened right here. I I sit before you, December 9th, two thousand eighteen. Superman number six in front of me, and Bendis is back on his bullshit. I. I will slightly agree with you <laughs> that he is this is this is this is this the is, most Bendis he's done so far. But I think it's still I think it's still good personally. I, I think I think the story is fine. I don't think anything that happened in this issue is bad or wrong. John showing up at the end as the older John Kent is I mean we already knew it was happening. It got spoiled for us. It's a great reveal, though. I like it. Um, I'm not like immediately against it. It's just, I, you know, Bendis has done so well to this point at DC with crafting a book that feels jam-packed with tons of storylines, sp- potentially spinning off into many different. Uh, corners of the DCU or future storylines and writing to his artist in a way that's interesting, that, that captures the, the maximum of their ability, which I'll say that I think, you know, to, to write this way for Ivan Reyes, uh, let's see how many are here. One, two, three, four, five, six, Seven seven double page spreads that are mostly just singular big large images with lots of lots of text, lots of block paragraphs of text. It does look nice. I will say that um, all of Ivan's art in this issue looks great, but for eight pages with this stuff that Bendis is writing that doesn't add anything to the story. Nothing. No. Nothing, Zach. I I think all of I think this is my favorite issue of the series so far. You, you've gotta be shitting me. <laughs> and I think that the stuff that this does is like both very interesting and has like huge repercussions for where the story may go next. Oh, uh, okay. You're gonna have to explain that part to me, but but, but before you do, I just wanna say one last thing about this. Ever I felt like almost every bit of information about these characters that's being delivered in 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 this way are things that we either already knew or could easily have intuited 
already by the way that Bendis has been writing these characters. Uh, but but lay it on me, Zach. Tell me why what, I am a. What do you mean by that? What do you mean what by I mean, that? What I mean is like, so it's Superman like in this fight, sort of observing Zod and and Rogalzar and taking like stock of it all, right? Well, but he's also like reflecting on just like. Well, when I say this, it sounds kind of stupid, but <laughs> but in the way that like superheroes are kind of stupid, uh-huh. um, like the whole reflection on like how they are moving like at such incredible speeds and like how that like plays in like I I think the concept that he that Bendis is having this extremely long inner monologue while like over the span of a few seconds is both like funny and like really interesting. And I think the points that he Superman is making about these characters are interesting. And I think the conclusion where he's like spent this, like the first, I don't know what, like 14 pages of this issue, just kind of like reflecting and kind of weighing the motives of like, especially Zod, but, and, and like just thinking about all of these things. And then like, there's this kind of anti-climax where he is just like pulled out of the situation. And like, because of that Zod loses. And, and I thought it was really interesting that like, he didn't immediately just like jump back in. Like the issue just grinds to a halt there. That was like, the interesting part when he's talking with Adam Strange. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It like just grinds to a halt. And you know that like they're sitting there having this conversation over the span of like, a minute and because of like the what we have like been told over the span of like the previous pages like so much is happening in that time that he's just like essentially like wasting gabbing with these people and then he has to go and this like team up that he had like foisted on him he essentially kind of like forsook it and so like Like what is what what's gonna happen now? It's yeah. kind of like a pivotal moment. It and, is, but it wastes so much. I like I like all those all those things that he's thinking about Zod and Rogalzar and the and the conflict and their motivations. Again, those are all things that I feel like you know if they haven't already explicitly been dealt with, they're things that we implicitly understand about these characters before we even get to this issue you know i mean i i feel like the emphasis isn't even on uh what's his name rogal rogalzar rogalzar i feel like the emphasis is more on zod though yeah sure i mean say it however you want to say it but like and i feel like there's not like we don't necessarily know I I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. So, as usual, I fall <laughs> somewhere between you guys. <laughs> That's um, your kink. Yeah. No, uh, the, I do think that this was the most Bendis issue of Superman or Action Comics so far. That said, I think that for the most part it works. I think that Superman aligning himself with Zod 
like ideologically and the struggle he would have with that is very interesting and is is good i will also say that i took it that bendis like i think this is a very different issue than we've seen from the first five issues of this book and even though this might feel like a very bendis issue it feels different for the superman run so far i think it's an interesting way to 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 deal with that conflict in a different type of issue uh, the adam strange stuff was great i like the one star labs guy who's like i'm going to prison aren't i <laughs> or whatever he says um I thought the John reveal was good. I think I'm more on Zack's side than I am Vince's side here. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's a perfect issue by any means. Well, and I just think, like, this isn't me, like, I'm not not trashing Bendis' Superman run now or his, like, prospects at DC, but I just knew that there would come a day. And I I opened this issue up, and I was, like, immediately wagging my finger at it because I could tell... This is going to be that issue where um, he's kicking the can down the road for a month. Because I... because all these things you're saying, like, Brian, you brought up, like, oh, Superman aligning himself with Zod. Oh, that's a very interesting dilemma for him. Uh, yeah, It's a thing that a hero does several times a year in these comics do we see a hero reluctantly align himself with a villain temporarily or whatever it's said, not but he says that a in novel the issue. yeah i know i know that doesn't make it interesting but it is interesting i think i feel like the way it is presented here is interesting it feels oh, different see, than the fact the fact that he the fact that superman yells for candor and like admits that he didn't need to do that but that he needed to do it to get Zod to understand the severity of the situation and, like, his conflicted thoughts with essentially doing something to turn the tide in this battle, even though ideologically he's more with Zod. Like, all of that is, is really good stuff. I don't know. I, I think you're giving it way more credit than it deserves. That comics grump over here. Uh huh. <laughs> I I'm with I'm with Brian here. I think that like I think that the emotional um, payoff in this issue for like everything that's come previously in like Man of Steel and and this um, is just like very good. Um, uh, yeah, the four candor bit was really great. I think this issue like artistically is like one of the best things Reyes has ever done. And I think the lettering is fantastic. The lettering is really good. I don't know if I'd say it's one of the best things that Reyes has done, but I think it's, this plays into his style really well. And I also think Vince is like another part of this is Superman deciding that earth is more important then essentially, the battle for Krypton. That's really yeah, uh, important. And that's really interesting. Yeah, but again, that's... Uh, of course he is. To well, me, there's no conflict there. Okay. Is there to, no conflict, though? No, because like... to, me, to me, that is Superman's character to a T. 
that, that of course that's the answer. Why is that of course though? <laughs> Let's just move on. I'm I'm just a big idiot who didn't like a, a brilliant genius. Super genius Bendis comic, so... Well, we can't move on until we have our special guest in the show. Ladies and gentlemen, live on the internet, Brian Bendis! Come on! <laughs> we don't have time for that. Are you going to be here another three hours? Yeah. Well, let's close up shop with a discussion of Titans number 31, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Clayton Henry and Brent Peoples. Um... This is Brian Nip bringing Kyle Rayner into this book. Uh, Kyle Rayner, as I've mentioned on the show a hundred times, was briefly a Titan in the mid to late nineties with what? yeah with Donna Troy. Um, they had a little romance going on at this point. She was a dark star. He was a king of Um But no, I thought I thought that Kyle bring was a, back that status quo, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. I thought Kyle was a was an interesting addition here. I thought that his he makes a lot of sense in the book because of the source wall stuff. Um, I also think that Clayton Henry is a really underrated artist and did some really good stuff in this issue. Uh, when Brett Peoples takes over, it's not quite as polished as the Clayton Henry stuff, but it's still fine. Um, I know I am the Titans boy here. But I feel like this ties in that um, Justin Jordan, New Guardians run. This ties Beast Boy back to the red, which we saw in the New 52 also when he was red Beast Boy, for whatever reason. Um, sort of a lot happens in this issue to connect it to the past in a, in a, in a good way to me. Um, but again, I'm the Titans boy. What did you guys think of this issue? I like this issue for all of those things. Uh, more so than I have previous issues. I'm I'm wondering more and more. Like I feel like I'm just like this is a small note, but I think like I had mentioned something incorrectly on like a previous episode talking about the the um Raven subplot. I thought that that weird trickster guy was impersonating her and that her real self was trapped in the other world, which is clear. Like, after rereading some of these issues, I feel like that's a wrong take. But no, I know, crikey, felt like that she was, lost her mojo. She did lose her mojo, but yeah. like, didn't he impersonate her at the end of one of the issues, too? Or maybe that was just to escape? I think it was just to escape. Okay. So he, okay. I, that, that's been bothering me, and I haven't. I don't, I don't think I was on the last time that you guys talked about this book, so I couldn't bring it up. Um, hot take here. I like Kyle. I, Kyle is a more than welcome trade for Dick in this book for me. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. And I think that this team all of a sudden is way more interesting, even though I think Nightwing is a more natural fit for the team. I think Kyle makes the team far more interesting. Mm-hmm. Vince, what say you? Yeah, I agree. This is the first time I think that I I really agree with you that this book is good, Brian. <laughs> like, <laughs> I found I found previous issues like fine, you know, but I I've never really understood the 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 
the kind of extra level of praise that you have for this book until until the Kyle Rayner injection, you know, getting him in this book brought something to it that kind of raised all boats, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I found every bit of the issue interesting, even though really it wasn't really all that different. It's just that Kyle Rayner's there now, right? Um, But I like the cast a lot. The art was good, but I feel like the art's been good, you know? Um, I just think Kyle's what the book needed. And to to Zach's point about uh, a replacement for Dick, I I actually found myself during the issue just absentmindedly asking myself, why why isn't Dick on Titans anymore? Because I had like briefly Rick forgotten. Grayson. Yeah, exactly. I had briefly forgotten <laughs> that he's Rick Grayson now. And I thought, oh my god, I don't ever need to think about that again. Let's just keep Kyle here, and I won't think about Dick. And but guys, can you imagine Kyle and Dick together? When Kyle, when Dick is back oh. to normal. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully not written by Scotty Scotty L. Nope. You want Fabian Nicienza to take the book over solo, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. No, yep. he's That's right. Fine. That was Red Robin, you guys. That was good. I liked Red Robin. That was him, right, for a while. Yeah, but he's currently writing that uh that Red Hood I, book. I know. Not Red Hood. Nightwing. Nightwing. Essentially, Red Hood. Poor man, Red Hood. They're the fucking same book now. It sucks. No, Red Hood's so good. It's not good. Oh, it's it's good. Oh, it's not as good as it was, but it's better than it was. Is it better than Superman? (laughs) Red Hood, no. Well. That does it for another installment of the DC3 cast, but not until we look to the future, to what I believe is the last... <laughs> In the year 2000! Uh, Dr. Dre will change his name to Mr. Dre when he announces that podiatrists are not real doctors. Very good. Uh, let's see. So, but uh, but let's let's look to next week. This is, guys. This will be the final DC three cast of the year. Oh man! All blank sign, guys. Yes. All blank sign. So, we got let's see. American Carnage number nice. two. The first. Uh, Kelly Sue Aquaman. Ooh, Italian Ooh. chef kiss. Yep. The most anticipated comic of the year, Batman 61. Oh, yeah. Man, right. Oh, can, oh man, we're going to get to Batman 69 soon. <laughs> nice. <Ooh. laughs> uh, Cat, Catwoman 6. Cover 4. Damage 12. Freedom Fighters. Ooh, dang. Already. Yeah. I feel like that was just announced. Uh, Harley Quinn, 56. Justice League, 14. Lucifer, 3. Uh, Nightwing, 55. Mad Magazine, number 5. Yeah. <laughs> what me worry? <laughs> what me read that? Uh, 
Pearl number five, the Super Sons Omnibus, which I feel like they should have waited until this miniseries is over. Yeah, you'd think that. Yeah. Uh, Teen Titans 25, and that's it. Dang. That's it. Yeah. Well, until next time, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And I'm at Wilder Fox. If you want to get in touch with Vince, you have to go to the Bendis boards and <laughs> help him fight in his crusade against Superman number six. Yeah. And until next time, enjoy and uh, get hyped for that Kelly Sue Waffle Man. I was so wrong. About what? I defended that first issue, remember? Oh, yeah. You you were just (laughs) a little horny. Um. (laughs) 